If that's okay with you, Miss Daisy. I'm in my high chair. Here I am. <laughs> 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 oh. Father, we're just so delighted for this time this morning, Lord God. Holy Spirit, we just sense you've got this, that you know the needs of the people, you know the desires of their hearts, and you know your desires and you want to do it, Lord. So we just agree with what you want to do for each person. We ask that what's planted would stay and become a part of their lives and move them, Lord, closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, do you want to start or shall I? What do you think? <laughs> um, yeah. I'll, Go I'll, for it. You want to? I'll, I'll sit here and do mine, and then yeah. you. Go ahead. We're, we're tag teaming. He can interrupt me anytime he wants, or he can try. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy, I got to tell you that. <laughs> but you got to realize, he's a pastor, so he's used to getting a lot of talking in, too. So. <laughs> Okay. Um, um, my, my particular part is, is talking about hearing the voice of God. We, um, and I'm going to try to put it all around one verse of scripture. How's that? Hearing the voice of God, one, one verse. We'll just do it that way. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Hebrews 11.6. I think. find here that he who comes to God, or excuse me, must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. But it starts out with, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And I, as I said in the other session, a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to figure out, how do I get enough faith? And they stop right there. You know, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So they study, oh, faith is the substance of things we hope for and evidence of things we not see. We can't see, and they concentrate on this, and they read about faith and try to figure out. They spend a lot of time with trying to figure out how do I get enough faith. And my version of this verse is that without faith, it's impossible to please him. But God doesn't leave you there. He then tells you how to get that faith. Okay? The next part says, um, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, show up, okay? Come to your God, show up, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently <coughs> seek him. And what, you know, it's not only show up, it means keep showing up and keep coming back. 
prayer talks about the you know the, uh, uh, the the chapter in Luke where it says that it kept coming back you know God you nag God you know <laughs> we women should love this you can nag God you can keep coming back keep coming back keep coming back that's how you get your faith for it's for God uh, faith is something God gives to you. So go to him if you want faith. Of course, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's also part of it. But it will also happen when you come into his presence and you begin to learn how to hear his voice. And I can tell you, everyone here, he's going to talk to you different. If you've got kids, they talk different to every kid. Yeah. You know, like one kid, you can just look at them. If they do something wrong, and they'll cry and stop. Now, the other kids, you've got to... Get their attention first, you know. <laughs> you got, you know. So God knows how to talk to His children. He knows how to talk to you. And He, and if you keep coming back, the Scripture says, "By reason of use, your senses are discerned to know right from wrong." There's a principle built into there. By reason of use, okay, you're going to learn how to hear God's voice. As you keep coming back, as you think, I think that was God. Or you begin to have more assurance of how he speaks to you. Now, we know he speaks in any different way. He speaks in dreams and visions. He can speak from a billboard to you. He can speak all kinds of ways. But I'm particularly zoning in on that still, small voice. What's the voice of God? What was it that Elijah was? He saw the thunder, he saw the light, you know, all the earthquake, all that was going on. And God wasn't in that. Well, you want to go, oh, rest. That's a lot of power. Surely God's in this thunder. But no, he's in the still, small <coughs> There's some things we need to know if we're going to position ourselves for hearing that still, still, still small voice. And I'm just going to give you a few little tips here. Just if they if they uh, resonate, grab a hold of them. If they don't, just set them aside. But I want to say from the beginning, learn here. Don't think uh, I, I had things to give out to you. I'm not even going to give them out to you. You don't get it here. You're not taking it home. <laughs> I've learned over the years that we have these things that you know. Oh, I'll go home and study this. No, God's spirit can right now help you to receive something you can have that you'll have for the rest of your life. In fact, I'm going to pray that. Lord, I ask that these people would receive something right now during this time that they can take and it will just minister to them their desire and it will just connect with you in such a way that they'll never, they'll never be the same, Lord God, in, in their desire to hear your voice. In Jesus' name. Do you want to jump in? <laughs> okay. Um, know that he's always speaking to you. He's always speaking to you. You know, this verse says pray all the time. Because how on earth am I going to pray all the time? i got to do my job. i got to do this. But you see... It's in your spirit. You've got a spirit. If you keep that door of your spirit open, he can speak to you. 
when you're in the middle of something with your boss and you're just wanting to, and the spirit says, anger does not, um, the anger of man doesn't show forth the righteousness of God or something. Think, oh, he's speaking to us all the time. So know that. It isn't when you're in church or when you're devotional time or when you're reading your Bible. It's all the time. It's a neat thing to come to the place where you know that you know that you know that he is talking all the time to you. And you just need to listen. He just, just delights to tell you those little secret things. Um, prayer tip. Jesus said he got away from everybody. Went, found a lonely place. Where's your lonely place? Where's your place that you can be in peace and hear God? Have you got a place? How many of you got a place? Aha, good. Yeah, some of you they saw sure saw a war room. Some of you decided to move into your closet. I'm sure. <laughs> but there's got to be a place. Now I know some of you know like mothers, they have to go to the bathroom with all these kids. You know, <laughs> there's, there's just, I know it's not that easy. I know with schedules it's not that you have to set a time. I used to get up early, real early with my kids and huddle in front of a register with a blanket over me and sometimes fall asleep, you know. But you got to make God a priority. And if you fail, so what? You just get up and try again. God isn't discouraged when you're still, when you're trying. He really doesn't get, he, you're his kid. I mean, he knows that he's going to fall asleep. It doesn't bother him. You're still trying. Get the next morning and forgive yourself and just keep trying Create a time for God. Um, a lot of you are at the place I sense where you've heard the voice of God. God said something to you. What do you do with it? Tell me. <clears throat> Interact here. What do you do when God speaks a word to you? I usually write it down. Yeah. Write it down. Why do we need to write it down? We can forget. The God of the whole universe has talked to you. And it's in the middle of the night, and you think, oh, I'll write that in the morning. Bad choice. <laughs> Bad choice. Put a little thing by your, your uh, uh, I have a little index cards by my uh, little end table there, and, and a pencil there, so you can write it down. In other words, if the God of the whole universe is speaking to you, Show a little respect. Act on it. You think, how do I act on it? How do you act on what God tells you to do? What do you do? Do it. Sounds good to me. Do it. Some of them are more, um, if God would say to you, uh, I'm building you into, uh, I'm building your character, and you're going to begin to do this and this and this. Speak it out. Begin to speak those words into the atmosphere, and you will create around you. Those words, those molecules, will begin to give you faith. Faith not only comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the prophetic word God spoken over you. Mm -hmm. Timothy was told, uh, uh, you can do warfare with this one. What was spoken over you, you can do warfare with it. When the enemy says, you're nothing, you're never going to accomplish it, 
You've tried so many times, why don't you just quit? And you can say, oh, no, 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 no. You see this? I've written this out. Uh, I, I uh, got a word that the Lord had, what I had dreamed for when I was young, uh, that he was going to, I read it to the devil all the time. You know, I'm going to still accomplish. I don't care how old I am. What's I got to do with anything? <laughs> I'm still going to do this. Why? Because God just, in the last two months ago, told me that. So, no, 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 you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this, God. Um, what's your choices for if you hear a voice? Who can talk to you? I mean, what do you immediately think? Is this just me? Yeah, is this God? Or is it the enemy? Right. How do you know? Test it with the word of God. He's not going to tell you to do anything contrary to this. I don't care how you justify it. You cannot divorce that person and marry the next one. Amen. It is not in here. That's right. I don't care whether they give you spiritual goosebumps or not. It is not what God says. Okay. How about, uh, what do you think? Is this my imagination? I think we all have that one. Or is this me? Just me. Is this just me? <laughs> well, in a way, it is just you. Because he's speaking through your spirit. Okay? He didn't speak it in Spanish. He spoke it in English. He spoke it the way you can understand it in your spirit. His spirit to your spirit. So you can know. Another way you can know is to consider the, what is it? What do you feel when you hear it? What do you feel when you hear it? Do you feel encouraged? Do you feel like quitting? Okay. So there has to come some little bit of a discernment with what I always call it the tone of the voice. You know, God, there's actually a tone in the voice that you can get. And it does something to you. So if it discourages you, wants you to make you make you quit. That's not God. If it's kind of wild, it could still be God. Okay? But he's not going to ask you, if you're a young Christian, to do something that's kind of precarious until he's, um, <coughs> you know his voice well enough uh, to be able to trust his voice. It's, uh, he knows his children. He knows you. He knows you. And it's so delightful because sometimes we don't know ourselves. But he knows you. Okay. Um, Josh, why don't you jump in here for a while? Um, when we talked about that last time, kind of the tone of the voice, the, the, two, the two words that, uh, that are kind of connected with that idea is that the Bible says the Holy Spirit will bring conviction, but it says that the Lord will not speak condemnation. So I want you to think about those two words, Okay. What does it mean to be convicted of something? Like if you if you committed a crime and you've been convicted of the crime, what does that mean? You've been found guilty. You've been told that, okay, you did do this. Okay? The Holy Spirit will bring to you a word of, hey, I want to bring this to your attention. Um, you're kind of off the off the trail in this situation. Okay, that's that's conviction. He brings it to you. He says, he says, he says, yeah, you messed up a little bit there. Okay? But what's condemnation? It's 
It's sentencing. Exactly. It's sentencing. So what, what are they writing over a building that needs to be destroyed, that's about to be destroyed? It is what? Condemned. Okay? So it doesn't say it's convicted. It says it's condemned. Because the future of this building is destruction. That is where this building is headed. Okay? So conviction is knowledge of the truth of your mess up without a sentence attached to it. You hear that? It means it, it, sentence has not been declared over you. You've been convicted. Yeah, you did that. You shouldn't have done it. And you did. <clears throat> but there's no, therefore you're done. Therefore I, I'm leaving you. Therefore, you know, it's, there's hope attached to it. Because you know, okay, yeah, I messed up, but that's not the end of the equation. You know, Jesus can still come along and say, but I'm forgiving you of that. So when there's hope attached to it, it's not condemnation, because condemnation offers no hope at all. Condemnation says, this building is going to be destroyed. There is no hope for that building. It shall be destroyed. It might stand for a little longer, but eventually we're not getting this sucker down, right? Okay, that's condemnation, and that is not what the voice of the Spirit brings. The voice of the Spirit doesn't say, that's it, I'm done with you. I quit with you. It's over, I'm leaving you. Because God, that's not, that's not what God's going to do. When the Holy Spirit speaks, he brings conviction, knowledge of things. All of a sudden we see, oh my goodness, I was out of step in that place. He gives us an opportunity to respond and to repent and to turn so that God can bring grace and forgiveness and release to new purpose. We're not being condemned. Does that make sense? So that's kind of the tone of voice idea. That's, that's, that's how I think of it in my own head. When I hear, when, I, when, when I'm hearing something, and it just there's just no hope attached to it at all, I reject it instantly. They say, you know what, that's not the Lord. The Lord wants to redeem me, not condemn me. You know, that's the next part after John 3.16. You know, John 3.16, what is it? Right. The next verse says, not come to condemn the world. Isn't that beautiful? God did not come along to say, earth is condemned. That's it. I'm destroyed. I'm wiping the whole thing out. No. God came along to say, I'm going to recreate this world. Resurrection began in Jesus, but it's not over. Amen? I, re I refer to it as the resurrection bomb. Okay? Because the ignition happened here in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but that, that, uh, that explosion is going to continue to move outward through all of creation until all of creation has been resurrected out of its death into new life. And that's where we stand when we get to the end of this whole thing. All of creation recreated, resurrected out of its death into new life, including, guess what? The Bible says that you and I, we have the first fruits of the resurrection. Okay? So that resurrection has already begun in you. Is that good news? You know what? When you started, you're, you're in the process of resurrection right now. You know, we think about it sometimes like, well, you know, when I get my resurrection body, eh, wrong. This isn't a future thing. This is going on right now. The resurrection of Jesus is already at work in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's just not done yet. 
So I am being resurrected right now. Isn't that kind of exciting? Sometimes we think, like, I'm in the process of dying. No, you're in the process of coming alive for the first time. Hallelujah. Right? That is so good news. I'm excited about that. And isn't it awesome? We can go out into the world and tell people that are lost, guess what? I'm in the process of being resurrected right now. Would you like to be a part of that process also? <laughs> Resurrection can begin in you right now if you want it. That is great news. And that's why Jesus said, he that believes me will never die. Because resurrection has begun in us. Yeah, this, this physical body might go through the death process. It might not. We don't know. But the truth is, resurrection life has begun in us, and it's working its way outward from our spirit, through our soul, into our human flesh. And one day, everything that is me will have been resurrected. That's exciting. Right? I don't know what that has to do with mystery prayer, but it's fine. <laughs> Um, sometimes there's a protocol for prayer you know the scripture says come into his gates with and into his courts with praise okay so, so you have having a day you know one of those days <laughs> it's like you can't even put one thought after the other you sit down in your I got a little brown chair you know and it's like I'm here, <laughs> but you're not really there. So I want to give you a couple clues here on how, little tips on what, what you can do at that point. Start praising, you know, start. Uh, and and a, a little practical tip, um, use something I call alphabet praise. Sometimes you can't even get one thought after the other and you're, you almost have to try to figure out how to praise God. Well, alphabet praise is simply this. You start with A, and you say, God, you are amazing. You are my alpha. You go Anything you think about with A. And then you go to B, God, you are my banner. You're beautiful. You're uh, anything that starts with B. And, and, and the neat part about it, as you're going through something in your life, whatever that struggle is, you'll come to see, and you need a comforter, and sure enough, that word will be there. You are my comforter, my counselor, my everything. The, the neat part about this is there's something about using two parts of your brain. You can't worry while you're doing this. There's absolutely no way you can worry and praise God by going through the alphabet because you got to, I don't know why that works, but it works. Take yes. my word for it. Now, a little clue, just and keep going until you get through the whole alphabet. When you get to X, you're going to have to, you're going to have to cheat. You're going to have to use excellent. Either that or you're going to call him a xylophone, and that won't work. You know, I don't think God's a xylophone. So. If anything starts with EX, excellent, um, you know, exalted one. Uh, but uh, use this sometimes when you're, when you're in a doctor's office and you're waiting for a report, okay? There's times when you just need to mind you will come into line here. Yes. And that way you not only your spirit but your mind's working together. And it, it's just a little tip, totally free. <laughs> um, what if God reveals something to you about somebody else? You hear this voice, and you're walking by somebody, and you get this discernment. Um, what if it's not a really good thing? Don't no. put it on Facebook. <laughs> Amen. You don't put it on Facebook. Amen. Don't also put it out into the atmosphere. Right. You know what? God's trusting you with that. You have just got information from what I call the second heaven about what's going on. 
and you know, this is this is a bad thing, or this is something maybe they've got a problem with, or this or that or the other thing. You take it and you flip it, okay? You take it to the third heaven. What's God saying? These are the facts, but what's God saying about this person That's in their good. life? Yeah. You flip it. You begin to pray these these, these prayers that if if it wasn't you and God, uh, the enemy thinks you're crazy. But you say, oh, no, God, you've created this man on the good works before the foundation of the earth. You're going to give him strength through this, Lord God, because as his day, so his strength will be. And you keep it between you and God, unless, God, there are occasions when you have enough of a relationship or you're on the same level as a person that God would have you. I don't like those times. I've had one that I know of where, you know, you, you, you were encouraged to go to the person. But usually, it's just between you and God. But flip it. Don't agree with the enemy. Amen. Don't, don't do that stuff. And don't dwell on it. I mean, you were revealed because God trusts you with this information. He trusts you with this information. Particularly if it's somebody that's in leadership or something. You begin to pray. What does the word of God say? Oh, Lord, I, I prayed for my pastors that they would be, um, help me, God. Oh, that they have people come along to help them so they can give themselves to prayer and to the word. God can give you what to pray mm -hmm. rather than speaking out this. Uh, uh, God told me a couple of months ago. Oh, no, it's been more than that. He told me twice. I, I'm a slow learner. He said, don't tell me the problems. Don't tell me the problems. Tell me the promises. Okay. If we're going to spend 15 minutes explaining the problem, <coughs> even in a corporate meeting, by the time they get done, you're so depressed, you don't even know how to pray. Mm. But if let's just lightly hit the problem, and then let's hit the promises of God. What's the promise? If, if they need healing, what's the promise? The Word of God is effective. The Word of God changes people, changes things, uh, changes the atmosphere. <coughs> so, suggestions. Pastor, Absolutely. Off of that, right, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Wait, is that right? No, that's not right. Forgive me. 2 Corinthians 1.20 is what I meant to say. Second Corinthians one twenty. I'll read it to you, but we're talking about telling God about the promises that that He's made. So this this right here, Second uh, Corinthians one twenty. This really helped me understand a lot about prayer and what this means, what this looks like when we when we bring God's promises back to Him and say, Lord, this is Your promise over me, over this situation, over that thing. What's that about? Do, you think, do we think God forgot what his promise was? No, no, no. It's right here. Okay, First, uh, Second Corinthians one twenty says, All the promises of God find their yes in him. That's referring to Jesus. Him is Jesus. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Okay, It's just a description of what Daisy was talking about right there where we bring those promises back to God and we present them to him over again. We say amen 
to that promise. We say yes to that promise. And here's what this verse is saying, okay? All the promises of God were made possible by the cross of Jesus Christ. Okay, God, God said, God, God made a bunch of promises. And one of the promises he made is that he would, that he would forgive us. Okay, but how many of you know God was, in, was uh, enabled to forgive because of the cross of Jesus Christ? That's why God could say, I forgive you. If he, if he had not had the cross, he couldn't forgive us and still be just, and God can never not act like himself. So God couldn't really release full forgiveness until the cross. Before the cross, when he was forgiving people, he was looking forward to the cross and saying, I forgive you because of the cross. And after the cross, when he would forgive people, which is now, he was looking back to the cross and saying, I forgive you because of the cross. Because your sin died with Jesus, because what you did was paid for by Jesus' blood, I can release grace and forgiveness to you. Right? Okay, you're all in the same. Okay? All of the promises of God were wrapped up in the cross of Jesus Christ. Without the cross, we have none of none of the promises could have come true. Okay? Because God made promise, promises knowing that the cross was coming. Right? Okay? So now all the promises have been made possible by Jesus. But we don't see all the promises in manifestation, do we? Not yet. Okay? You want to know why? Because God is waiting for his people to enter in and say amen to each to those promises. That's what God's waiting on. Now, why on earth would he do that? That's why, that's why my class is going to be called the mystery of prayer is because this whole thing is a mystery to me. What in the world are you? Okay, God, let me, let me get this clear. In order to, for your full purpose, to be made manifest in my life, I have to sit in a room by myself, Talk to someone I cannot see and remind them, remind that person of things that they already said. Right? Okay, from the world's perspective, does that not look like really weird? Can we be totally honest? You know, wait a minute. You got to remind God. In fact, I saw a tweet the other day from an atheist uh, uh, comedian lady that just said, Christians, explain to me, how does prayer actually work? That was the tweet. And I wanted to go, oh man, I wish I had more than 140 characters. Because <laughs> you can't explain it in 140 characters. And, and unless you have the Holy Spirit working in your life, prayer makes no sense at all. It, makes, it just doesn't make sense. And it's, I, I, I've been thinking about prayer and asking God to help me understand this process for a long, long time because I really care about prayer. And God put prayer in my heart a long time ago when I was about 16 years old. God marked me and said, you will be a man of prayer. And I'm like, yeah. Okay, but so I've been asking all these questions since then. How does this exactly work? You know, I need to understand the process or else I'm not going to, it's hard for me to engage in it. I don't know, are any of the rest of you that way? You know, my, my parents would say, go do this. And I would say, Why? <laughs> Usually the answer was, because I said so. And honestly, that's enough. Really, I mean, truly, if God just said to me, you don't get to understand this, just do it. Then I need to do it, right? Because he's God and he's a lot smarter than me, okay? <laughs> and I, but that's not God. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't do that. What he wants is he, he keeps things mysterious so that we'll chase them down. 
He does that. He keeps things mysterious so that we'll chase them down. There's so many realities in scripture, you know, that, that are, that are so tough and so beyond us. Like think about the Trinity. Don't think about it too long because your nose is going to start bleeding. (laughs) Right? Wait, he's three, but he's one, but he's three. They're the same thing, but not the same person. Oh, I need a tissue, right? God is higher than us. He's more than us. He's beyond us. Okay. So of course we can't understand him. And he wants it that way. He wants to be understood and not understood. He wants to be sought after. He set himself outside of our, you know, God could have given us as big a brain as he wanted to give us, right? Right? He decided how smart we were going to be. He could have made us way more smart so some of these questions would be easy for us. He didn't. Do you ever think about that? Okay, God set the boundary lines where they are. He made the decisions. And he made us, <laughs> I love God, he's so fun. He made us curious. He made us curious. And he made the answers hard to find at the same time. Why? Why? Why do you think? Right. He wants us chasing him down. There's a couple reasons, actually. One of them is he's going to give revelation of something to you, and then he's going to give revelation of something to you. And he wants us to hang out together so that we can share it with one another. Because he has no desire for any one person on the planet to be able to claim uh, to be better than anybody else. And not only that, he wants us hanging out together. This whole idea of the body, the family, that was his idea. You know, God's never been alone, ever. You realize that. God has never been alone. God has always been God, Father, God, Son, God, Holy Spirit. As long as he's been God, which is forever, there is no beginning. Don't think about that too long. He has no beginning. And from time, from before time, in which can't exist, right? There's no before time. Anyway, he's always been exactly as he is. The Bible says he doesn't change. So he's always been Father, Son, Holy Spirit, which means he's always been He's always been a community unto himself. So he wants that reflected in humanity because we are made in the what? Exactly. And he wants us to live in community also. So he sets things up in a specific way so that we have to do this together, which is really annoying because a lot of people are not fun to be with. (laughs) I said in the first first session, I, I warned everybody ahead of time that, I, I can I can be a little tongue-in-cheek, especially when it comes to people. Okay, so don't take everything I have to say seriously, okay? But it, we all know it's true that there are people that just rub you the wrong way. There are people that I just see their face and I want to punch them. I'm praying for this, and I'm asking God to help me with it, but it's just true, right? And he is helping me. He's helping me love them. The problem is, you know, God loves to put you in a position where you can't get away from people, right? He's like, let's let iron sharpen iron. I'm going to have you marry someone that's exactly opposite of you. You're like, I love this. And then you get into marriage for like five minutes and you're like, oh, what's God doing? Right? That is not how my marriage is at all. Um, I'm not worried. My wife's not going to listen to this podcast. But... 
<laughs> You're all going to tell her, you know, you should probably know. Every married person in here totally understands what I'm talking about. Because two human beings living in that close quarters with each other, there's going to be something about the other person that just is, doesn't jive with you. That's just the way it is. And if it's not, you should be up here talking and I should sit down. But God did it this way. That's why, that's one of the reasons that God likes it when we pray together. Right? There's going to be a better picture of the whole thing. We're going to understand what he wants better when we, when we pray together than when we pray by ourselves. And it doesn't mean we shouldn't pray by ourselves. Jesus said, when you pray, go in your closet and shut the door. But the Bible also teaches that we should pray as a body, corporately. I was explaining this to a couple people this week because they were saying, I was like, oh, have you been coming to the week of prayer? And they're like, well, no, I haven't really come to the week of prayer. Why not? Well, it's hard for me to pray when there's all those other people around. You know, I just want to be by myself. and quiet. I'll just go home and pray, right? And I say, well, that's nice and that's great. And I want you to go home and pray. But there's this thing called corporate prayer that God's commanded us to do. And there is a difference. There's a difference. So I don't remember where I was going with all that. But anyway, God, oh yes, God's promises. And we remind God of his promises. God, God is waiting to fulfill his promise until his people stand in agreement with that promise. How many of God's promises are just piled up? I had a dream one time. And I was walking through a warehouse with God. And, and, you know, we're talking and we're just walking and it would look like Sam's Club, you know. It was just big shelves way high, as long as I can. And finally I went, where are we? The Lord said, well, this, this is the warehouse of the promises my people didn't receive today. And I went, well, this place is huge because I couldn't see the end of it. He said, yeah, but this was just for today. You should have seen yesterday. Right. Um, a lot's been said about God doesn't do anything without prayer. I kind of, being a person that organizes prayer and believes in prayer, I kind of trying to figure that one out. Is that absolutely the truth? And then I, I just recently read of a leader, prophet, can't think of which one it was, that said to God. Well, how about your sovereignty? You know, you said Jesus. And you know what the Lord said to him? Go to, is it Luke or Simeon? And Anna. And Anna prayed. Yeah. Even something as important, and as talk about promises in the Old Testament that Jesus was going to come, he still had two people praying that Jesus, about Jesus, and they knew when he was there. And, and now I can die, you know. Simeon said, I accomplished my life mission here. Wow. I was to pray yeah. for, the, for, for, for the Son of God to come. I mean, that's wild. We don't always have, always have that kind of assignment. We've got assignments <coughs> on our lives. We've got people that only we care enough about to pray for. Mm. Yeah. It, it's, it's not a burden. It's a responsibility to remind God. Uh, if you've got a prodigal, you pray, Lord, you said, you had a plan for his life before the foundation of the earth. And he said, if I agree with you, 
you're going to do it. If I agree with anything that you have, you're going to do it. So, Lord, this is what I'm saying over this child. I agree with your original will for him. I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're going to do it. Yes. Some of you have been there and doing that with me. But learn to do it with the promises. Don't learn to come and say, oh, this child of mine. Oh, God, you know, no, he just went over here and he says that. That isn't what gets God's attention. Faith yeah. gets God's attention. Yes. Faith gets God's attention. Promises get God's attention. Believing him to do the impossible. Mary said, how can this be? But then she goes on what she says. Be unto me as you have said. Now, John the Baptist's father, he said almost the same words. But there was something different inside of him because God had to shut him up until John the Baptist was born. But Mary's was, you know, God, how can these things be? But she wasn't rejecting it because she went on to say, just be unto me as you said. Whatever you said, God, that's it. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it smells like. I don't care what's happening around me. And as you begin to speak out the promises, you begin to stand on the word of God. You begin to, if you've got a healing problem, you get every verse out you can find on healing. And God will eventually point to one of them. And you stand on that one. Yeah. Because the word of God, it builds faith and it is the truth. The doctor's report, those are facts. This is the truth. So learn to do that. I'm off on a tangent here. <laughs> so we can get back here. Um, God reveals to redeem. Okay? So if you get something, I've had people come to me, I, I had this thing about a death for somebody, or this or that, or the other thing. What am I to do with this? God reveals something to redeem it. Um, I think I'll give you an example of something that happened to me. Um, this was many years ago before, yeah, let's see, probably maybe 20 years ago, something like that. I was driving down Bluffton Road, and... I come past my son Ron's business, and I hear this voice that says, someone's going to die here today. And I went, no. Back spot, where was that? And so I started praying. Now, catch the word, somebody is going to die, to die here today. He didn't say, if you don't pray. Prayer is always an option, okay? Jonah was told, um, you know, this is going to happen. Okay, period. They, they, you know, none of toast. But the prayer is always an option. Now remember that when you get a word, prayer is always an option. Because when these people repented and prayed, it, it turned around. And Donna wasn't really happy about that either. But, you know, so I'm going to go back to my own story here. I, I'm driving along, so I keep driving. I begin to pray. Uh, I didn't even know how to pray. I probably prayed in tongues. I remember asking for angels. For that place. I remember asking for angels for that. Got further down the road. I've got a release. Didn't you know what I mean? You just get a release. Yep. It's, okay. it's okay. It's done. You know? You go on your way. I forgot all about it. That very night, I met my daughter at this, uh, my son's business. We were going to help him decorate. You know, men just don't know how to decorate. So we, we were going to go in and help him decorate that. 
I was inside and my daughter walked in and she looked kind of strange, you know. And I said, she turned to ask her a question. She said, Mom, I, I can't do this tonight. I said, okay. Well, she said, you know. So took two days later, this is my birdie, she comes through to church. Because um, she processes things. Uh, she's a very, you know, very thorough in her processing. She calls me up and she says, Mom, um, at Ron's business, I was ready. I was stopped. She's coming this way in a car. Traffic's coming this way. There's only two lanes. But there's another uh, parking place in the front where people would go around that and cut in. Okay? <clears throat> Mom, I was turning into the business. I was turning into the business. And she said, I looked up. She said, I had my foot on the brake. In those days, she had kind of a hot car, you know, it was a little one. She didn't want to hit that bump, so she had her foot on the brake. She said, I looked up, and she's staring at this car, and the man's face is ready to hit her. She said, the next second, I was in the driveway. She said, I was in the driveway. She said, I don't know whether angels translated. I don't know what happened. She said, I've been thinking about this for two days. She said, but my foot was still on the brake. And yet, instantly, I was there. And, and I said, honey, let me tell you, Paul Harvey's part two of the story here. <laughs> so I'm by there that morning, and oh, I got this word. Somebody's going to die here today. And I didn't know it was you. And I began to pray. And I asked God for angels. And I went, oh, God, what if I hadn't prayed? I hadn't prayed. I don't know. Maybe it figured out some other way. I don't know. But I know that as far as I'm concerned, she, that car and her were like that instantly. I have no doubt about it in my mind. So when God tells you something, somebody's going to die here. Moses didn't take that kind of stuff. He, he changed God's mind. If it is God's mind, learn that prayer is always an option. That God reveals something for you to redeem it. And don't, don't necessarily just say, well, that's that. Uh, realize that you have power in the spiritual realm uh, to change a situation. Uh, and, uh, so if you see my birdie, you'll know she's... Uh, there was a brick wall there. There was a brick <coughs> wall right there that she would have gone into. Yeah, okay. Uh, and from there, where did I go? <laughs> it's your turn. Well, you, um, talking about Moses, let's just go to Exodus 33 there. <clears throat> we talked about this a little bit in our last session. I think that's a, a great place to kind of jump off. Yeah. She said, Moses didn't take that. Well, here in Exodus 33 and 34, uh, the background of the story, I'm not going to read the, the um, but just kind of a summary. Background of the story, you know, Moses had gone up on the mountain and he was hearing from the Lord and he was receiving the Ten Commandments and the tablets, right? Okay? And uh, there he is, he's standing on top of the mountain, and, and on, down in the valley are the people, and they convince Aaron to create a golden calf that, so that they could worship him. Now, fascinating, you know, instance, and of course Aaron later lies and says, I don't know, I just put the golden fire and the calf jumped out, I don't know what happened. You know? <laughs> Sometimes it feels like that, even though we know that's not exactly what happened. Right? Okay, right? 
And, uh, and Moses gets really angry with the people and smashes the tablets. Moses goes back. And uh, is it cold? Well, I just wondered because I'm not here in the heater and I didn't know if the override was off. Anyway, if we need to turn it back on, we can. So let me know if you get cold, especially back there because those windows sometimes. Um, but anyway, Moses goes back up the mountain and God says to him, well, I'm just going to wipe the people out and I'll start over with you. Right? That's what he says. He says, all right, Moses, I'm done. These people, they've made me mad one too many times. I'm finished. I did all this stuff for them, and then they worship the golden calf. Excuse me? Did you see them at sea? You know? Right? How many times how do you know that it's right after God has done amazing things for us that idolatry is right hot on the heels? And it just happens almost every time. Where, uh, I, I, know how, I don't know how many people back during the renewal days where uh, we just had this amazing service that God had done amazing things, and then that night they would sleep with their girlfriends or something like that. And it was like, what in the world? You know, we just came out of this moment of intensity, and then you know, you just jump right into sin immediately. Well, that's what happened with them. And God had been providing food for them every single day, and yet let's build a golden calf. I don't know. It's, but anyway. God, he goes up and he starts talking to God. God says, I'm going to wipe them all out. And um, so Moses says, you know, don't do that, God. Please do not do that. And he, and he, he says, says to him, what would the nations say? Well, think about your reputation in the nations. Now, I have a question for you. Was God fully intending on wiping out his people? Yes or no? Oh, we don't know. My, my, he says it to Moses. And then Moses says, no, don't. Okay? There's other places in Scripture, my favorite, you know, there's the one in Ezekiel where God says, I looked for one to stand from the gap, and I found no one. Therefore, I will carry out judgment myself. God was waiting for an intercessor to stand up and say, Mercy, God! And he didn't find one, so he carried so he carried out so he carries out judgment. That's actually a future event that's going to take place later on in, in, uh, in history, maybe pretty soon, who knows? Um, where God is ready to pour out judgment and there's no human there to remind God of his promise to mercy. Moses stands up and says, don't do it for your own sake, for the sake of your glory. Don't do it. And God says, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> really? I mean, God is pleased by Moses' intercession. God says, I wanted you to stand up for your people and say, don't do it. That was my desire. That was the desire of my heart. But the just thing to do would have been to step up and to wipe them all out. God would have been righteous whether he wiped them out or forgave them thanks to the cross. But Moses stands up and says, don't do it. He, the intercessor stands up and says, you made a promise to these people. And God says, yes, I did. Thank you. And he doesn't do it. And then, let's move a little bit further forward in the story. God says, fine then. These people are crazy. This is like the next day or the next time Moses comes to pray. Okay? Moses saves the people through his prayer, then he steps away, and then he comes back. Okay, again, to the place of prayer. And God comes back to Moses and says this. All right, I will send you to the promised land. I will 
just I will wipe out the nations of Pharaoh. I'll do everything that I said I was going to do via angelic ministry, but I'm not going. I myself, my presence will not go with you. And Moses says, one of this is why he's one of my heroes. He says, if you will not go with us, do not send us up from this place. I would contend that this is another situation where God had something else on his heart. God wanted to go, but he needed an intercessor again. And Moses made the right choice. He said, no, we aren't interested in the promised land without your presence. We will not choose the promised land over the promised giver. We'd rather sit here in the desert and have you in our midst than go to the place flowing with milk and honey and not have you. Amen? This is where we come to this understanding of what prayer is all about. God is, has created a situation. He's created a, a, a conundrum, pickle, okay, that can only be answered. The only answer to our prayers and to God's, the only way that we can live a life that's fully satisfied and live to our full potential and that God can have everything he wants is if we understand him and we love him and we agree with him. That's the Hebrews 11, 6 verse that she just read. You cannot please God without faith. Why? Because those that seek him must believe that he exists. Yes. Right? They must believe that he rewards those that earnestly seek him. God says, I'm not going to be satisfied with my mission carried out, but nobody that loves me and understands me and is in cooperation with me. You understand that? Years ago, I was having a conversation with a, a fiery prophetic prayer person. They're, they love evangelism. And I just, and, but the Holy Spirit was saying to me, they're missing the point. And I just said, why did, you, why did God sleep? Can you tell me that? Their answer was, so that I can preach the gospel. And I said, wrong! <laughs> and, thanks for playing. Wrong! That's not the truth. Why did God save you? Because he wants relationship with you. Amen. It's the same reason he created you, by the way. He wants relationship with you. He wants you to know him. He wants you to understand him. And he wants you to, of your own volition and out of your own heart, agree with him. He doesn't want to force you to agree with him. He's not got your hand behind your back going, agree with me, agree with me. And you're like, oh, go, go. Okay, yeah, I'm pleased. No. He wants to woo you. He wants to bring you into a place where you're saying, oh, your ways are righteous and true. I say yes with all my heart. Oh, amen to every promise and every dream that you have. Yes, I love your heart, God. Oh, and standing in that place, standing in that place, we are fully satisfied. We're filled with joy. God's mission is being carried out on the planet. The kingdom of heaven explodes. We're happy. God's glorified. The kingdom has come. People get saved. Miracles take place. It's this beautiful place that God has created that he will not be satisfied with anything less. That is why he calls us to the place of prayer. One of my favorite stories, I love the story of Sarah in Genesis. If you look at Genesis 15, 
God has made this promise to Abraham. Your children will be more than the stars in the sky, and through your family, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Right? That's the promise God's given, and he gave it to Abraham. Guess what? Sarah is not mentioned in that initial promise that God made to Abraham. She's not mentioned. Go back and read it. Sarah's not mentioned. He says to Abraham, your kids. Okay? And Abraham goes back, and he tells Sarah, this is what God just said. That my children, right? Israel, right? What do you think about Sarah? She's, she's in her 80s when this promise comes. She's never had any kids. Now the Bible says she was beautiful. So she was probably quite a prize when Abraham married her. But the years had proven that she. In her culture, a woman who didn't bear her husband's children was scorned and ashamed. She had lived with that pain her entire life, desperate for children, unable to bear children. She loves her husband. God had blessed them. He had been obedient to God all of their life. He had taken them all, you know, all over the place, but you know, and no kids, none. And God promises, finally, God promises Abraham, your kids. So Abraham comes back to Sarah and says, God said that my descendants will be. And again, no mention of Sarah, right? None. Can you imagine what that must have felt like to her? If I, you know, if I had Sarah's shoes, I would have hated the word of God to Abraham. I wouldn't have hoped. I wouldn't have. I would, I would have been so bitter by that point, that I could not receive this as a word for me. It's just a word for him. Oh, it's obviously just him. And that's why, if you look at when, when Sarah says, here's Hagar, okay, that happens right after Abraham tells her what, about God's promises. She says, here's Hagar, and this is what she says, maybe I will get children by her. No mention of the promises. No mention of Abraham's descendants. Nothing. It's just, maybe I'll get children by her. She's tried everything she knows to do. She's obviously past childbearing age. Now she says, oh, fine, take my handmaiden. And we know that wasn't the desire of the Lord. And God come back, comes back later and says, I told you're going to have a son. And Abraham said, well, I had a son. It's Ishmael. And just allow Ishmael to walk before you. Now, was there anything in God's previous promise that would prevent Ishmael from being the son of promise? No. No. There isn't. Go back and look at the promise. God does not mention Sarah ever prior to this. And God says to him, No. Sarah will bear you a son. Now, God says that to Abraham when he's over here. Okay? And Sarah's not around. The next portion of scripture, Abraham is at home, and God visits. Now, tell me this. Because God visits and says to Abraham right there, Sarah's going to have a child. Now, God already told Abraham that. This was a repetition. Who was he wanting to hear at this time? Sarah. And Sarah back in the tent goes, ah! <laughs> <laughs> 
Sure I am. <laughs> Glad you've been out in the sun too long. <laughs> God says to Abraham, why is she laughing about this? Now, let me think about this. Let me think. To God, to fulfill his promise, did he need to include Sarah? No. He didn't. Not the first promise. And the second promise, did Sarah need to get pregnant? Yes. But did he need to go there and talk to her about it? No. He could have just waited. Well, God God's got us, too. He was waiting. He was putting her in the place where she could leave. He was bringing her out of her out of her bitterness and out of her pain and he was speaking to her personally. Like you. I promise it's for you. I know you thought it was just for Abraham. It's not. It's for you. And I won't do this without you, Sarah. I won't. So here I am, personally paying you a visit to bring you to a place where you can believe again. Because once you do, there's someone who will. I believe. God could have walked right around her. She doesn't believe. Forget her. I'm going to go deal with somebody else. No. No. God chased her down to enable her to receive his promise. Isn't that great news? This is what prayer it's all about. It's about God bringing us. He's wooing us into the place where we can finally please him by believing who he is and believing that he wants to reward us for our earnest seeking of him. Isn't that wonderful? God says, guess what? Not only do you have to believe that I am, but you have to believe that I want to reward Otherwise, you can't please me. God is after a people who know him, who understand him, and who of their own volition, out of their own hearts, choose to say yes to what he wants to do. Um, I just want to say to all of you, I think... You know that God wants you to hear his voice. I just want you to know that God, each one of you, the voice you bring to him, your voice, no one else can replace that voice mm. that's brought before his throne room. I have a, a friend, and she probably would share it, but she said she was in her kitchen one time, and she was scrubbing her floor. She has a routine, get the kids off, do-do-do. And the Lord said, oh, come on, because she always met with God in the mornings, you know. Come on, I, come on, come on. She said, I'm, I'm washing the table, God, you know. And so he said, and she said, I just, I just left that rag there on the table, and I just went off. And he said, oh, he said, I, I, I've been waiting. You, it's like her voice was something that no one else could give to him. You have a voice that God is waiting to hear. No one else can make that sound 
No one else can make that connection with you. Don't tell your neighbor, but you are God's favorite. <laughs> you are. Um, diligently, the last part of this verse, let's read the whole thing. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. He who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What's diligent mean? Tenacious. Is this the only verse in Scripture that says that? No. Yeah, okay. There's a lot of them. It talks about the intensity of coming to God. You know, it, it, there's, a, uh, there's a commitment. Man, it's like, uh, trying to think of one of them here. Uh, how about Deuteronomy 4.29? Someone look that one up for me. It's not up here anymore. <laughs> Deuteronomy 4.29. commit to one thing in life. Commit to that. Seeking with all your heart, with all your soul. And you know what? Everything else will fall into line. And the neat part is it will fall into line properly. You know, we're out there being servants and God said, I just want you. I want you. And, and out of that, you will just get up and do what you're supposed to do that day. You know what? God's will for your life is get up every day and do what he tells you to do. That's his will for your life. Yeah. One day at a time. <laughs> but show up. And if you don't feel, I've come to God sometimes and I said, God, all I can do is wiggle this little finger, but I'm here. You know, it's like, just come. Just come. Just come. And keep coming. And keep coming. Yeah. And keep coming back. Whatever's stopping you from going, if you've got guilt, just get rid of it. Uh, I think I said it in the other class, and you're all blending together here. Like, uh, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive your sin, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. 24-7. Amen. If you've got an addiction, and it takes a little longer, so what? Just keep coming back. To confess means to agree with God. I agree with you. I agree with you. I agree with you. And then you might go 10 minutes, and you have to come back and say, I did it again. Pride. This. I got to the place where God and I have a real short sentence. I just say, pride. It's like the bug zapper. The bug zapper. He just, doop, it's done. Why? He's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse it from all unrighteousness. It's over. It's done. Don't go talking about it. Don't be thinking about it. And don't go dread the next time you might do it again. Uh-uh. That's not the way it works. Live in the I am. Yes. You're free. You're free. If you do it again, you can be free real quick again. All you yes. do is go back and say, I did. This, this is what I did. You name it. You know, I, I simply say pride, anger. You know, I, I don't even get into an elaborate, oh, I did. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. Oh. 
you know, if you want to, that's fine, but you don't have to do all that. He said, if you agree with me, it's wrong, done. It's over with. Why? And he's faithful and jealous. Why? Because there's a cause. Even if you do it 500 times, God, Jesus doesn't have to die again. So don't feel bad if you have to keep coming back until that thing is gone. That addiction or that, that thing that you have a propensity to do. Just keep coming back. And you'll just slowly, as you're in his presence, if you walk in the Spirit, how does the verse go? Walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the enemy wants you to feel guilty. He wants you to feel condemned. And so you're trying to you know, just struggle and struggle. No, you're not going to make it. Just keep coming back. You know, the, the, the hardest thing to our pride is to come back to God time after time after time. Until you get rid of that thing that keeps, you know, whatever our particular little thing is that keeps us uh, uh, from enjoying his presence. But it's no big deal to God. Just come. He'll forgive you. He, he, he doesn't have to do one more thing to forgive you. It's already done at the cross. That's right. So don't waste the cross. <laughs> don't waste the cross. Just feeling sorry for yourself or feeling guilty or feeling doubtful. If you got doubt, come to him. He'll take care of it. That's it. <laughs> All right. We have like four minutes. So I want to open it to questions. And, uh, and, and yeah, so what do you got? Yeah. I have a situation. I won't mention names because of the. I was with this, when I was with this couple, and I got this word in my mind that. Something like that, because it's been a while ago, I can't remember exactly how the word came out. You're going to die in, in a short period of time. That's a horrible thought to think. And then I, I didn't know if I should rebuke it or if I should just you know, pray about it. I went home later and you know I prayed, prayed about it and stuff, but I didn't really give any real life. And it wasn't but a month or so later, we were with some relatives of this person, and that person had had a heart attack and died. So the question is, what should I have done? Should I have said something to that person? Well, I don't think so. My question is, why did why did God speak that to you? What was His purpose? Sure. God isn't in the business of telling us stuff that he just, oh, I just want to, just FYI, guys. <laughs> he let you know to invite you into, into cooperation with him about his will for their life. And that doesn't mean that they wouldn't have died. And it, maybe they, maybe the Lord would have, would have, you know, changed that. Uh, but I think, you know, we just enter in at, to, you know, like Daisy said, flip this around and say, what, what are God's promises over this person? And, and begin to speak the, the word into that situation and say, Lord, I don't know why you let me know this, but I, I want to find out. And I, and I want to I chase down your purpose for this, for this revelation and say, Lord, your will be done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You know, so Lord, what, what are you really wanting to do? You know, and begin to pray 
into that revelation. That was just an invitation from God. Just like with Moses, when God said, I'm going to wipe him out. That was an invitation from God to Moses to intercede, and he took it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, um, I, I don't want you to carry guilt about that that moment, though. Yeah. Now, in a situation like that, how you don't know how to pray, pray in the Spirit. Yeah. It's a good place to start. Absolutely. That's a great place to start. Yeah, and the Lord made, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've gone, I don't know how to pray for this, and just started praying in the Spirit and ended up in, yeah. You know, before I even know, then all of a sudden something, the Holy Spirit goes, it's like this, click, and you're like, oh, oh, thank you, you know, and then you can begin to pray with understanding. And you never know what your prayers did between the time that was given and this person's death either. You don't know. Yeah. But at first I thought it was an evil thought, and then I knew you for certain, and then, but I kept thinking about it, and then... In the meantime, someone had said to me, well, maybe you should have said to that person, maybe they needed to see their doctor and get a physical and check out their health. I always ask, Lord, why are you giving me this information? I just do. Um, and sometimes he doesn't say anything. And normally when God's silent, I stay silent. <laughs> um, especially something like that. If the Lord says something to me like that about someone, I ask him, unless unless he makes it very clear that I'm supposed to share it, I don't. There is a verse, the Lord is our light and the length of our days. Yeah. You know, and sometimes, you know, every, every circumstance is different, but, you know, if you came to the Lord, you came, you came to the right person. Is there another one more question? Then, well, all right, cool. Let's just pray, and we'll go. Well, Father, I love you so much, and you're so good, and I trust that you have accomplished what you set out to accomplish, and that you have spoken what you set out to speak. So, Lord, I just I, I thank you that your word does not return void; that it always accomplishes that for which you sent it. So, I know that you're doing good stuff out of what you've put into us today in both of these classes. And, and, uh, and Lord, I, I thank you that um, uh, when your word gets planted in our heart, that it comes up as a harvest of righteousness for your namesake. So Lord, I just pray that everything that has been said today, Lord, my primary desire is that you, you're just bringing us to the place of prayer. That's my primary desire. But I pray that everything that's been said this morning in either of these sessions, uh, Lord, that, that it will stir us to, a, to approach you, to come and to engage in this relationship, to, to, to look into your heart and to see your promises and to say, yes, God, to really learn to hear your voice, to know when you're speaking to us, and to say and to agree with you with all of our hearts. Lord, I love the desire of your heart. 
And I just say yes to it with everything inside of me in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. We love you. Thanks for coming today. I hope you had fun. I know I did. And we will see you tonight at 6 p.m. in Sanctuary. It's at 6 tonight.